You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. Grand Rising and good morning, everybody out there. Welcome to the Morning Update Show. I'm your co-host, Trey Holiday, And of course, we have a very great show for you today. Always going to be diving into some news you can use right here on the Morning Update Show. Always great to be in the studio with my co-host with the most, Big O. What up, Big O? Trey Holiday. Hey. Man, happy Wednesday to you, huh? Yeah, yeah. Middle of the day, middle of the week. <laughs> yeah, weeks. The week is uh, it's moving along. I'm glad someone has it on wide here. See, you're, <laughs> man, you're, you're dressed for the occasion. You go to battle today, huh? You got the fatigues on and the blacktivist hey, you know, sweatshirt. <laughs> Wednesdays, we really get into some deep news, man. I had to come correct today. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Good. Speaking of news, man, we're joined today by Brian Callanan of the Seattle Channel and also Seattle News, Views, and Brews, which you can watch tonight at 7 o'clock. He's going to be joining us. Mike Davis is a little bit under the weather, so he won't be on with us today. I know some people are disappointed, but um, we will have Julia Jesse on tomorrow. Yo, last Thursday was lit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they were so serious, man. I'm telling you, you're, you're right. Not only do you want to be on Clapback, I do want to be uh, yeah, on Clapback. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, can we, man, can we get an invite on Clapback, please? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, with Brian, Brian, we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff, you know, what's going on around City Hall and also some new the data and research that's come out on people's sentiment about things here in the city. But we'll go ahead and get right into it. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Update show right now. Yes, right now is the perfect time for you to tag and share the stream. Go ahead and tag and share the stream with people you feel would appreciate culturally relevant news and information emanating from right here in the Pacific Northwest. Want to give a big shout out to our partners over to South Seattle Emerald and also KBCS 91.3 over at Bellevue College. Remind everybody that you can listen to the Morning Update show anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcast. Got a link for SoundCloud going in over there, but you can also check us out on Google, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere. Just search Converge Media Network. Time in the show right now. We want to remind people about HereForUsWa.org. HereForUsWa.org, culturally relevant information and resources for our community, for those that are vaccine hesitant, that, you know, they're not feeling the vaccine. <laughs> also, there's resources out there, though. If you do want to get vaccinated, um, testing, uh, lots of other information that's out there. And, man, COVID is real. It's, it's real. <laughs> we know some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not me. And and you know what? And the thing is, is that it's so serious. I mean, we're seeing spikes now. Um, You know, it looks like uh, certain states across the nation are starting to, uh, you know, do that thing where they say, wait a minute, we went too far. uh, And now we need to uh, bring back the restriction of indoor mask mandates. And so we're seeing that happen. I will not be surprised uh, if we have to go back to that. This is why a lot of people, um, when they took the restrictions off, people were like, man, I'm keeping my mask on man i'm not doing yeah, it man. a lot of people was like tell me where to go yeah. tell me where to go tell me where to go tell me where to go stupid go dumb dumb <laughs> yo oh. uh, uh, uh the real yeah some people are going back into to the mask i mean one thing though is that there's these different variants i'm no expert but we can call department of health <laughs> And uh, public health, Seattle King County, but some of the variants that are going on around right now, they're they're not nearly as um, 
man, as as powerful as the previous ones in the hospitalization, but it's still laying people up. Yeah, it is. I mean, and, you know, when we talk about, uh, you know, the changing weathers we have, particularly here in the Pacific Northwest with all of the sleet, uh, rain, hail. I mean, it was crazy yesterday with the weather that also, you know, causes spikes and people just getting the common cold, which I think sometimes now people are like, is the common cold just COVID? Is everything COVID? It. If you're <laughs> caught, I'm bouncing. <laughs> no, it's just a I, I know, pretty soon though it's, it's gonna be allergy season though. Then you really ain't gonna know what to do. Damn, right. buddy over there rubbing his eyes, uh, and coughing, sneezing. Is it COVID? <laughs> is it allergies? Is it a cough? But all the same though, man. Good resources there at hereforuswa.org. Want to give a big shout out and pick up my my phone over Daryl. DQ, Daryl Glover watching today. We got a big dog watching this morning, Trayana. Hey, that's one of the originals right here for the Morning Update Show. We appreciate you so much, everything you brought to this Morning Update Show to get us launched. DQ in the building. Yeah, listen, can you put on wide here real quick? Someone? So down there, you'll see a logo. It says Dancing in the Rain. It's in between Blindiana Jones and Ezel's Famous Chicken. That's Dancing in the Rain right there. That's Daryl Glover. And, and let me tell you real quick, I won't take up too much time. The morning update show started like you you need the people. So that's like me and Treyani here and everything. And you need the place. And that's Black Dot there on Jackson. But most importantly, you need the equipment. And, you know, at the time we were, you know, we, we didn't have any streaming equipment. We didn't own any of that. Right. We knew we wanted to do the show. And I talked to Daryl. I thought it was going to be like a 30 minute conversation, maybe longer. I got to convince him of this and that. Within the first two, two, three minutes, he was like, oh, whatever you need. He said, this is for community. I said, yeah. I said, that also means we ain't got no money. <laughs> <laughs> he said, yeah. And man, Daryl literally directed hundreds of episodes of the Morning Update show. So, so glad that you joined us this morning. And, you know, uh, I will say this. Uh, Daryl came here the other day into the studio and he was he was telling somebody, he's like, oh, yeah, you, you young kids, you got it easy. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, you young kids, you got it easy because, you know, I mean, we, we said then, we said we might start with an audience of two, but we have to work like it's two million watching mm. every day. And man, so big shout out, Daryl. Appreciate you, brother. Much love, DQ, always. Yeah, no, no, good stuff. What else we got here? Oh, the timeline is winding down here to get in and get into the bag that is uh, for culture. Mm -hmm. So for culture, the grant. Uh, deadline April 20th, man. You know, if you're real serious about because one thing for sure is sport culture is serious on their end. And if people are real serious about these grants, the the deadline's getting close. It is coming up next week. And so, you know, we have been keeping this message alive and well here on the Morning Update show. If you know of any artists um, uh, that are, you know, established artists, new artists looking to do some projects around arts, preservation and heritage, please make sure they know about this funding source. And one thing I want to say, too, about this is that, you know, we we understand particularly in Seattle, but in cities all throughout King County, that there has been a huge suffrage, honestly, when it comes to gentrification. So there's something to be said about these preservation and heritage projects that really are going to be able to spotlight culture um, that sometimes looks like it's not there anymore. And so I just want to say shout out to For Culture for being really intentional with these funds. Yeah, no good stuff. It looks like I skipped over something here. So we'll go back one. This actually, this came over from Deal yesterday. And we, we talked about it here for a bit. Is it still in there? Yep. 
There it is right there. So this is from the Department of Education and Early Learning. Well, you caught me. All right. So new funding opportunity here. We talked about this is a million dollars in the pot over there at Deal. And they're looking for community based organizations to be able to engage with school age kids. I mean, we talked about like after school programs, preparing uh, kids for for college. Uh, there's one more. There's a link there in the comments. But this is a great opportunity because we always talk about the investment that goes into intervention. A big part of this is investment clearly in education, but also investment in education is an investment in prevention. It really is. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I think is really uh, key about this funding, you can get up to $75,000 for summer programs running from June to August. And that's really saying something when you're talking about, um, uh, you know, injecting funding to get some uh, staff, some instructors, you know, maybe some coordinators for the program to make sure that young folks have opportunities to really, you know, dive in during their summer months. It's important. Yeah. I mean, I could see. I mean, I wish we had the time here but like if if i had the time what i would do is man college preparation yeah you know what i'm saying i do a co program in college preparation you know and and you know really preparing people for that step academically um you know getting applications together how to write the essays how to be prepared to go into that space and you know and everything else i mean i wish there was more hours in the day mm -hmm. but uh you know, the, the resources are out there, $1 million, and you said up to $75,000, man. The, the the link is there in the comments. We have so many amazing organizations in our community. There's an opportunity to uplift our youth. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, shout out to those who are already doing it. You know, take this as an opportunity to inject much needed funds into some of the programs you guys may already be thinking about. Um, of course, they have the requirements there, but check it out. All right. So... Got an email early this morning, and it looks like the race for King County Prosecutor just got a little bit smaller. Uh, we got an overlay up here, King County Prosecutor. There it is. County Prosecutor candidate Stephen Thomas focusing on family will withdraw. Um, and this is from a release this morning. It said transforming King County's justice system will take a steadfast leader unencumbered by competing priorities. When I started this campaign, my family and personal health were strong. But since I launched, we faced several unexpected emergencies. These areas now require the utmost care and attention. As a result, I'm unable to run the campaign needed to transform justice in our community. Yeah, this is, uh, oh man, you know, I, for somebody like myself, who's always interested in moving things forward, changing the systems of inequity um, to systems of equity, really being able to center the lived experience of those who are at the, uh, at the you know, the base of so many of these systems. Um, I really appreciated Stephen Thomas, uh, Thomas's approach. Um, so to hear this, I was like, oh man, you know, who's going to step up and fill that void and say what we really need to be doing is centering those who are at the, the you know the base of the criminal justice system uh, to understand how to transform it and how to do it in a different way this is something that is so needed when we're talking about criminal justice and for many in our community we say criminal injustice because we understand that we suffer from um, you know these systems of oppression and racism and it's important to really look at that as we think about the next King County prosecutor so this is a this is 
is like a oh man i understand though taking care of family (laughs) family's first it it sounds like you were a fan well, you know what? Actually being able to interview him gave me a deeper concept for, you know, not only what he was looking to do, but for his history and why he was taking such a bold approach. And, you know, I told him then, I said, I think that's what's needed right now. You know, we talk about it all the time. And when we're talking about our elected officials, we need people who are going to get in there and want to sh- shake things up, man. Shake off that dust. Yeah. And I'll have I might have to revise my 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 race predictions here uh, around this race, because I was predicting the old school uh, Willie. Uh, what was it? Um, not Willie Lynch. Uh, Horton, you know, mm-hmm. when um, basically it was going to be a real polarizing uh, race there that, you know, kind of. uh subliminally you know all these uh, you know all the uh, all these kind of things that we talked about i really predicted a real ugly race you know what i'm saying black dudes out the race now so you know (laughs) it might become more civilized we'll 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 see what happens man but yeah he's out of here um next up this from our partners at capitol hill seattle blog and they're talking about rents yeah man with any pandemic slowdown long gone cost of renting in seattle has surged 18.9 percent in one year yes 18.9 percent in one year medium apartment rents in seattle have increased dramatically during the past year due to low rates of vacancy and a climb from falling prices at the start of the pandemic according to an industry tracker apartment list just released a national rent report and its findings provide an image of an increasingly costly Seattle for renters. The report finds that rent in Seattle increased by 18.9% over the past year, considerably higher than the national average increase of 17.1% during that time. Um, It says here, as per the report, the median monthly rent of a two-bedroom apartment in the city of Seattle weighs in at a staggering $2,097, over $700 more per month than the nationwide average of 1,306. One bedroom in Seattle are similarly high, climbing to $1,681 against a national average of 1,139. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is the stuff that we talk about without the numbers all the time. Oh, and the truth of the matter is that we're we're not shocked that the data actually supports what we'd be talking about right here on the Morning Update show. We understand that affordability has been a major issue for the city. I know it's something that many were seeking uh, Mayor Harrell's office to really address, uh, not just about homelessness, but again, the trends that cause homelessness and increasing costs of rent is one of those trends. If we are not looking at that, then we are really, uh, you know, uh, tricking ourselves into believing that, you know, oh, the, the systems of, you know, characteristics that people have said, uh, you know, surround homelessness are the only reasons why people are homeless. No, we talk about a lot of working poor families. We talk about families that are going from one friend's house to another friend's house. We talk about people sleeping in their cars, but having two jobs. I mean, this is real. Oh, yeah. The rent is too damn high. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what 100% put that link in the comments. If you haven't already saw on this is from Capitol Hill, Seattle blog, Capitol Hill, Seattle.com. 
Yeah, I mean, the rent is, I mean, it's astronomical. And then when you talk about homeless, so it's like, it's crazy. You know, I don't claim to be an expert, but you know, we're learning as fast as we can here. There's also, when people see unhoused uh, uh, and, and everything else that are around here, a lot of times people put everybody in a category, oh, they have chemical addiction or mental health and things mm -hmm. like that. And people are struggling with those things. But there's quite a few people that I've talked to here because, you know, I'm a talkative person. And, you know, these are still our larger Seattle community members, our King County community members. So talk to guys and, you know, you'd be surprised how many people didn't come to the streets on a, with an addiction or didn't come to the streets um, with suffering mental illness. But once they were on the streets, I mean, man, like a night like tonight, how are you going to sleep if you sleep in the streets and it's cold out there? You know what I'm saying? You might be, you know what I'm saying? You might be doing this or doing that to get through the night. I mean, there's so many compounding issues. But the Lord went back to the point here is the rent is high. It is driving people out of this city. And clearly it's bringing people in who can afford it. Yeah, that's actually the issue, too, that I think needs to be mitigated is the fact that we do have um, some jobs here that, you know, uh, allow for, you know, you to make way over area median income. And that is true. So, you know, I think it's a balanced approach as we get to, uh, to, to creating pipelines for, you know, people from the global majority to participate in those jobs, those have, that have been kind of disenfranchised from participation in certain roles how do we open that up but also how do we think about you know how to level this off this is really huge numbers you're talking about seven hundred dollars over the national average that is really showcasing uh how increasingly inaffordable this city has become and i do think it's um you know not just uh the mayor's job it's a comprehensive approach that needs yeah, to happen for multiple I mean, factors it, you know the mayor don't own no buildings at least that we know of you know what i'm saying i mean part part of this as well is it's like i mean these guys they're, they're they're charging what they know that they can get as opposed to like you know maybe not but this is you know i, I hear what you're saying and the mayors in are the the executive and legislative branches of government here need to really look at this and see how it's impacting but yeah this is this a lot of people there's people I know, especially up on Capitol Hill, where the landlords like it. There was it was like you know the rent was like seven hundred bucks, and now they can get twenty eight hundred or something for it. Like yeah, bro, uh, either pay twenty eight hundred or get out. You know, and yeah. that's why so many people have you know fled the city, and that's something that we got to look at here is actually what we what we value. What do we value here in our city? You know what's what's important to us because with a lot of people leaving this city because of rising rents goes with it a lot of heart soul culture you know what i'm saying um uh, yeah generational commitments and generational um people have been here for generations building up our city and its culture and legacy yeah, it's wild. You know, it really is. And I think you make a valid point here. It also goes to regulations. Um, you know, we've been talking about rent regulations. There's a lot of different movements and initiatives that have really tried to put a cap on this. You know, the idea is that, you know, landlords, particularly landlords that own, um, you know, large complexes uh, for rental, uh, you know, how are they being regulated? I think there's so much to be said there. Oh, so you're absolutely right. Some of these things have really gone off the scales when we talk about it. 
mind. And we understand too, just as we've been reporting earlier this week around inflation, we understand that that's, you know, at an all time high as well. So there's, a, a, again, compounding things happening here that are, you know, uh, you know, really leading toward this effort of uh, or toward this understanding now of how expensive it is to be here in the city. But again, this is why it needs to take a multifaceted approach. Yo, the rent is too damn high. <laughs> like I said again with the straight face. Hold on, hold on. The rent is too damn high. <laughs> All right, we we got what we got one more thing up here. Oh, this is from our partners over at the South Seattle Emerald. And man, this is a this is a dope article right here. This is um. Where is it at? There it is. The uh, the Urban Fresh Food Collective tackles food insecurity in South Park. So since 2018, the Urban Fresh Food Collective has been making fresh food accessible in South Park, one of Seattle's food deserts. Believe it or not, food deserts here in Seattle, there's quite a few. What started as a passionate group of South Park residents has now become a team of leaders committed to honoring the community through its various programs. They remind us that despite Seattle's seemingly progressive reputation, there are still neighborhoods without easy access to fresh foods. Um, now, members di distribute fresh uh, food and groceries every Tuesday and the first and third Fridays of the month to low-income families and individuals living in South King County with pickup in the South Park neighborhood. They also deliver food boxes twice a month to low-income families that have physical issues elders living alone and families with illnesses such as COVID-19 that put them in quarantine. And, you know, the thing is, is that neighborhood out there, when you're talking about South Park and everything else, I mean, you got the, the Duwamish right here, 509 right here, 99 right there. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, they, they're really excluded from, from a lot of different services out there. So it's really good to see this program. It really is. And, you know, I just got to say shout out to everybody who really gives their, their time, uh, attention and energy to such an amazing effort out there. You know, what we think uh, nationally, when we talk about Seattle, I think a lot of people just assume that we don't have uh, fresh food deserts here. You know, we talk about a lot of urban areas throughout the country. Um, I know I've seen different documentaries and other reports on this uh, from a lot of kind of, you know, again, heavy urban neighborhoods. But the idea is that we actually suffer from that right here in, you know, throughout King County is real. And I really appreciate this effort. I think it's so needed for the residents out there in South Park. You know, they are doing this for Seattle and King County residents. So again, even if you don't live in the South Park neighborhood, you are able to still participate in this program. And the fact that they have really, this, this reminds me of mutual way back in the chop. I just got to say, because it was like, you know what? Everybody was coming together to support everybody else and to support the needs that were out there. This is an amazing effort we see here. I'm so glad that it has continued in this way. Yeah, this is, this is definitely mutual aid. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, the the Urban Fresh Food Collective, Salman, has put the link in the comments there. You can read more about it at our partners over there at the South Seattle Emerald. All right. That's all of our headlines for now. Great headlines, by the way. I mean, I'm really appreciating these discussions uh, with you, Oh, <laughs> The rent <laughs> is too damn high. <laughs>
just thought I'd remind it's everybody. We were just talking about that mayor who did a, the, somebody <laughs> trying to go after a campaign like that. And it is so true to this day. It's still too damn high. <laughs> it's wild. All right. Uh, we're we're going to take a quick break right now. When we come back. There he is, Brian Callanan, host and moderator from the Seattle Channel, also host of Seattle News, Views and Brews, which comes on tonight at 7 o'clock right here on Converge. You're watching the Morning Update Show. Hey, y'all, it's T-Dub once again bringing you the word on art funding in King County. Are you working on an arts heritage or preservation project? Well, get that project you've been dreaming of underway today as applications for Four Cultures project grants are now open. Project Grants is one of the largest grant programs for culture offers, supporting the creative endeavors of individuals and groups working in the arts, heritage, and preservation. They have a lot of resources available to help you navigate the process, including virtual workshops happening weekly. But I'm gonna take a quick moment to break down the three categories for project funding. There's funding for art projects, whether you're an individual or a group, no matter your style or discipline, for culture has you covered. Heritage projects fund works on covering, illuminating, and sharing the rich history that is all around us in King County. So if you're working on an oral history research or an online exhibition, heritage projects can fund it all. And preservation special project grants are designed to support efforts to preserve and safeguard a historic site or building in King County. This includes neighborhood surveys, landmark nominations, and much more. The deadline to apply is April 20th, so head over to portculture.org slash project grants for more information. As a non-binary black femme, a lot of my identity is rooted in body. Once the vaccine was introduced, it was really difficult to think in terms of safety as well as autonomy. As a black American, the relationship with government is very complicated. It's hard to trust. A lot of these conspiracies are really impacting people making a decision, especially with black folks, to be clear about what we're doing. I think it's just a well-rounded conversation to see what's best for us. All right. Welcome back to the Morning Update show. You see it right there. Seattle News, Views and Brews tonight at 7 o'clock. Brian Callanan, well, as well as David Croman from the Seattle Times. Join us right now on the set like clockwork. Brian Callanan, mm -hmm. how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I should, should have brought my converged scarf. Yeah. A little chilly out there today, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Look at him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to put mine on. <laughs> Thanks that for kind the of weather. reminder. Yeah. 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 Get the swag moving, you know. Yeah, man. You know, we were just we were just talking. Rinse, rinse too damn high. <laughs> I know. We got to bring back that Jimmy McMillan clip and just play it whenever man, that happens. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Wow. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. man, you, you know, as usual, you're always filling us in. What's going on over there at City Hall? Mm -hmm. And also what people can expect on the show, man. So let's get it going. Yeah. I wanted to talk first about uh, hiring bonuses, which is something that the city council has been talking about for some time. This is an issue where Seattle Police Department especially is asking for these hiring bonuses. And this is something that was discussed just yesterday in the Public Safety Committee for the Seattle City Council. And I'm going to show you a soundbite here in just a little bit that has two pieces to it. The first piece is Lisa Herbel, who actually chairs that committee there. And coming up after her is Sarah Nelson. And we're talking about two different viewpoints here. So Lisa Herbold is saying, you know what? We've actually studied what has happened when these hiring bonuses were in place at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. It doesn't look like they've had that much effect in terms of bringing in police officers. A few coming into the communications department, the CSCC, but not a lot of applications from police officers. But then you've got Sarah Nelson, the citywide candidate, who's saying, you know what? 
I'm concerned about this because this is a situation where a lot of other agencies around our area have these hiring bonuses, and that could turn into a problem for the city of Seattle. So let's listen in real quick. It's not clear for SPD that the uh, bonuses resulted in more people applying. Um, but it did. It does appear that that it had that function for CSCC. It has been shown to work in other cities. Pretty much most, if not all, cities in our region do have this, and it's been said that we need to level the playing field for um, offering our officers this. Otherwise, we're going to lose them to other departments. So this is the big issue that is before the city council right now. Councilmember Herbold is trying to put something in place such that there is a broader hiring incentive program going on in the city of Seattle because it's not just Seattle Police Department that has lost employees over the past couple of years here. The city is in great need of carpenters, of electricians, of IT people, even some veterinarians in some cases there. So there's a lot of different things that the Seattle, uh, city of Seattle is trying to attract people in terms of bringing it in. Of course, the hot button issue here, Omari, is what happens with police officers. And I can't help but think there's almost a bit of an arms race going on here. How much can you offer in terms of a hiring bonus here? And maybe that's the wrong phrase to use here, but I think it's a competition that's going on between agencies. Yeah, and I think that the thing that's missing in this conversation is what type of officer. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there was an officer, it turns out, you know, it was an officer trolling me on Twitter. It turns out he was an actual police officer. Okay. And before he came here, he was a, a, a VIP host in Las Vegas. Interesting. But because the pay here was so high, we mm -hmm. attracted a lot of officers mm -hmm. to Seattle because this is one of the highest paying forces in America, right? Yeah. And so offering a bonus and offering high pay without some kind of check-in to be like, yeah. are these the officers that we want on our force? Yeah. And that's what I'm not hearing from, from this, this conversation here mm -hmm. on either side of it. Like comprehensively, are, are they going to look into invest mm -hmm. in and maybe even recruiting mm -hmm. as opposed to here's a bonus, come find right. us. Right. Are they actively recruiting people that, that actually match up with the values of our city as opposed to I can go to Seattle and just get a big paycheck. Right. And that, and that's the big concern here, because I think the dollars aren't the only situation that are going on here. Councilmember Herbal brought up that when there was a hiring bonus in place in 2019, granted before the pandemic, or whatever else, it was a situation where one out of five people who applied for the job said the bonus was a big reason why they did that. So in looking at this, I think you're absolutely right. The, the type of candidate that is coming in is a crucial piece to this. Are they college educated? Perhaps they are, perhaps they aren't. In those cases, I do know that when officers are college educated, they're less likely to use force, things of this nature. So I think the type of candidate that Seattle is trying to bring in is super crucial. I'm looking ahead to June when the academy, the state academy that trains police officers is working on a Seattle specific situation where they're going to have officers that will go directly to the SPD. It'll just be a group there for SPD officers. So I think there's a lot of pieces at play. Here. Yeah, I think that if they're going to if they're going to go that route, they need to be innovative about it. I know there were some cities across America a few years ago that mm -hmm. said, hey, if you're going to come here, then you're going to live in the city. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and they made, you know, it was some kind of that's where the bonus went. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and oh, OK, yeah. hey, 
the rent's too damn high. Yeah, yeah. One but you know, here's mm-hmm. here's yeah. here's a bonus here. You know what I'm saying? To live in the city or live in the community. Yeah. Or how you know what's what what kind of effort is being made? Seattle touts itself as this place of diversity. Sure. What what efforts are being made to be able to recruit a force that looks like that? So just throwing as we can see with every other problem mm-hmm. in the city, just throwing money at it it's doesn't not, fix it. No. You know what I'm saying? And I really think that. It would. We'd probably get a different result if a lot of our our uh, a lot of people lived in the city and yeah. lived in the neighborhoods mm-hmm. that they served in. That, that that's a huge piece of this, and I think that affordability issue overlays every single issue that we deal with here in the city of Seattle. But this is one of those situations where you can bring people in, and it sounds like at least when what interim chief DS is saying, these hiring bonuses have been used as almost a relocation fee, a moving fee, if you will, to bring officers here. But I think long term. The big issue I'm seeing here, just looking a, a few steps back, Omari, the Seattle the Seattle Police Department has lost so many officers over the past couple of years here. They're trying to throw just about anything they can out there to try to bring in some more possible recruits because they're looking for lateral hires too, right, coming from other agencies there. But that's the whole issue. Can they offer more than the city of Everett? Can they offer more than King County? And so I, I'm not quite sure, but I do know a lot of different agencies, not just city of Seattle, are losing officers. So... This is coming down to who can pay the officers the maybe, most. Maybe. It could be. Who's got the deepest pockets? I'm not sure. I, I, but I do know there are a number of cities around our region that are doing that. And it unfortunately, I, I don't want to well, say it turns I into mean, a race to but, the bottom. But, but also, you know, it's crazy. A lot of other cities around our region are, are pretty much homogeneous, man, mm. for, for the most part. I mean, yeah. Seattle's just almost there with 7% black population. Yeah. You have a wider this term they use people of color population yes, yes. here. But you know, when you're when you're going into other areas around Seattle, mm-hmm. you know, I mean the, they're not an the expectations around diversity and understanding mm-hmm. different different cultures, communities, you know, yeah, history, yeah, yeah, and yeah. communities and everything else, you know, it's a bit different. And and I wondered if I could take it to a, another topic, sure, Amara, because that whole concept of diversity, especially within a police force or a law enforcement agency, I think that's right at the center of what's going on for the King County Sheriff's Office right now. Because as you know, we've got three candidates out there. We've got Patty Cole Tyndall, who served as the interim sheriff. She has held that role since last year. Then you've got Charles Kimball, who's the candidate from Texas. You've got Reginald Mormon, who's the candidate from Atlanta. They're all people of color. And this was really interesting if you think about it. Patty Cole Tyndall, when she was named interim sheriff last year, that was the first person of color, not first woman or anything like that, but first person of color who had ever held that job for King County. We're talking 2021. So I will say this, the candidates that are coming in, we're guaranteed to have another person of color in that role. But I think about that. And then I think yeah. about, I, I don't know, I think about the, the Seattle Police Department too, which is also looking for a new leader. So there's two potentially new leaders here if they don't choose the interim chief coming in. I'm going to tell you like this. Is I hope whoever these candidates are coming in for the sheriff's office mm-hmm. don't come into downtown Seattle mm-hmm. and don't roll around the municipality of Seattle and thinking that this is your job. Because believe me, the rest of Martin Luther King County moves in a much different way than yeah. the municipality here. Yeah. <clears throat> and you've also, <clears throat> excuse me, yeah, in county government as a whole, mm-hmm. lots of great people in county government, but in yeah. county government as a whole, as a whole there, there, there is a portion of county government that are really kind of pissed 
Yeah. Because when they started working there 20 years ago, <laughs> a lot of areas that they live in were like white areas. Yeah. And now 20, 30 years later, these are very senior people in county government. Mm -hmm. They're not really happy at yeah. the, the, a lot of the diversity that's occurred out there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would say my little two cents of advice that none mm -hmm. of the sheriff candidates asked for yeah. is like, man, do some real soul searching and really understand what you getting into coming out here because, you know, just being in Seattle could kind of mislead you into thinking of what the rest of Martin Luther King County is like. I think it's a changing process. And as I say, Patty Cole Tindall being the first person of color ever to have that role for King County, that's a big deal. But I think this is all changing because of what happened back in 2020 when we as King County said, all right, this is going to be an appointed position, not an elected position. Because a lot of times when it was an elected position, Great. It's somebody who's rolling up the ranks for a King County Sheriff. That part of it sounds good, but there wasn't a lot of diversity there. So I think this choice by uh, Executive Constantine to bring in two more people of color to guarantee that the next sheriff we're going to have is another person of color, I think is an important part of it. Is it a big change? Yeah, is it going I to mean, change the entire? Just, it's going to be. We'll, we'll see, though, because this also could just be the next person to get sabotaged. Possible. You know what I'm saying? I mean, man, Chief Best was all this fanfare. Chief Best is here. This yeah, black yeah. woman, this and that. Chief Best you know, was surrounded by a lot of people working against her best interests. Yeah. But inside the Seattle Police Department, they ain't want to see this black woman there in this place. You know, they yeah. clapped her hands, hey, chief, sure. and this and that. But behind the scenes, working against the best interests. So, you know what I'm saying? We'll, man, we'll, we'll see. You know, this is the problem sometimes, Brian. Mm -hmm. Is it like, man, we can't just never get something and just be okay. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm hoping for the best, though, as too. usual. You know, I'm an too. optimist. That's I'm always true. hoping for the best. Yes. But I just know that, like, we we would be fools to sit here and think that just a black sheriff coming in, it's going to be all good when they might be working against people 20, 30 years in the yeah. sheriff's department and right. other agencies yep. that are actively working against that sheriff. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping it, it's a step towards progress, Omari, at the end of the day, because I hear exactly what you're saying there. And it's something that I want everybody to be keeping an eye on. There will be some public... Uh, 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 back and forth with these candidates, some some public conferences, if you will, on the 18th and 21st of this month. So keep an eye out for that. King County TV is going to be working on that. So I think there will be some chances to ask questions like this and get really real about some of these different concerns because they're, they're they're very real. You know me, I'm going to ask and I'm yeah. going to ask directly. What yeah. you going to do for keeping these other deputies who mm -hmm. don't like you <laughs> and want to work against you yeah. how are you going to be able to navigate yeah and keep it real you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah. People, we need to ask those kind of questions mm -hmm. because we see what happens you know you mentioned lisa herbold and not yeah. to get in our mini time machine here mm -hmm. but lisa herbold during the protest the day of that proud the proud boy hoax yeah, yeah. lisa herbold said that she called chief best and was like hey chief what's going on with the proud boys and everything else chief called over to her commanders and they were like, oh, no, everything's good, Chief. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, I mean, we would be fools to think that bringing in a black sheriff over here is going to make everything howdy doody. You nope. know what I'm saying? No, no, no. It's not. It's yeah. not. I'm, I'm hoping it's a step towards progress, like I say, but this is not. This is not the answer. Right. It's, it's a constant, uh, constant no, issue. And, and I like through. how you said we got to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I wondered if I could move to another topic sure. that we're talking about this evening uh, that's really interesting and one I touched on last week 
when I was here on Converge. And this is this issue of the pay up legislation that the city council is working on. This is also in the Public Safety and Human Services Committee. It's something that Councilmember Herbold is working on as well. And this is something that would guarantee a minimum wage. Also some other worker benefits, but guarantee a minimum wage for people who drive for DoorDash, for people who drive for Instacart, things of this nature. The, uh, the food delivery folks out there, right? So you'll remember a couple years ago, the city was able to pass a measure guaranteeing a minimum wage for Uber and Lyft drivers. That happened in the city of Seattle in 2020. Just this past session earlier this year, our state legislature took the ball on that, ran with it. Now everywhere in the state, there is a minimum wage for these Uber and Lyft drivers. So those TNCs, those transportation network companies, they are covered there. That state level is a little bit lower than what you get paid in Seattle. But again, we're seeing some progress on that level. What we're seeing right now with this pay up legislation is trying to cover these other folks out there. Because when you think about it over the past couple of years here, in terms of people who you could really argue were frontline folks out there working, I'm talking about people who are working for Instacart. I'm talking about people who are working for DoorDash. When you didn't want to leave your home, these were the people who were out there doing the job and making sure that food was getting to people. So what the city council is trying to do is to offer some protections there. Now, they are getting some pushback from the larger companies like DoorDash, et cetera, but they have been working with those companies, talking with them over the past year plus. There's a little bit of pushback on the council as well. Sarah Nelson, again, is voicing some concern about this, saying this might uh, cause some unintended consequences here. But I'm interested to see this one play out because as we saw it with the TNCs, these drivers out there, it was a city measure that passed first, and then it moved up to the state level, and there was some action. Could this be a situation where we see this at the city level and it moves up to the state level again? Because I just want to make sure I get this point in here. This is a situation where all these big companies, Uber, et cetera, they don't want their uh, workers to be known as employees because that requires a lot of different things, not just wages or whatever else, but a number of other protections at the state and federal level here. They're trying to keep them classified as independent contractors. Now, will that mean some extra dollars coming in? Possibly. It looks like at least what happened in our state here with the TNCs uh, at the state level, it looks like there are they are willing to provide some more dollars right there and maybe some other protections as well. But uh, this is just such an interesting topic, I think. It's happening at the city level, and it could have some larger state impacts, too. Right. I think that the city of Seattle needs to remove all these taxes mm. <clears throat> that they have on the food delivery and yeah. play their part. So perfect example, right? I'm working on my uh, my build here. Okay. And so I wanted some food delivered uh -huh. yeah, yeah, from Veggie Grill, right? Sure, sure. And and so Veggie Grill, they're like, oh, click here mm -hmm. for if you want to deliver. This is like DoorDash or Uber mm -hmm. Eats. What I ordered was fifteen dollars. Yeah. To get it delivered, yeah. it ended up being thirty-two. <clears throat> so I yeah. scrapped that. Yeah. And just walked down to Jimmy John's. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. And got a sandwich for nine dollars. Yeah. The fact that the the food's fifteen bucks. It's six, seven blocks away. Yeah. And then after all the fees is 30. So it, yeah. at a big part of the fees is city of Seattle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like they I, I think people should get paid more money. But like may, maybe the city should ease up on some of their taxes and fees and that right. play their part as well. Right. I hear you on that one. It's It's a bit of a back and forth because the relationship between some of these delivery places and the restaurants has not been all that great at some times right. because these delivery places were like, yeah, we'll deliver that restaurant's food to you. And the restaurant's like, whoa, 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 we didn't even know that you were delivering this stuff. Then it turns up at somebody's place and it's cold or whatever else. They get mad at the restaurant and DoorDash or whatever else is like, well, not our bad or whatever else. So 
I think there's been some work by the city to make sure that this relationship between the restaurants who they want to protect because those industries or those uh, merchants, I would say, really got hammered over the past couple of years. So they're trying to offer some different protections. I hear you loud and clear about those different taxes, but this is the way that these bigger companies like Uber and Lyft, DoorDash, et cetera, have disrupted so many parts of our economy here. The city's trying to claw back what it can so that it can have some protections in place for these different workers. I'm just showing you the other side of the coin. Yeah, no, and you got people, you got people like Salman who refuses to get anything delivered. Yeah. Salman, he'll order for pickup, but mm -hmm. he's like, man, you know what? I need to go there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Good stuff, Salman. Well, bad. <laughs> yeah, no, get real. I mean, the rent's too damn high, right? We, we got to save money where we can. So that's that's not unwise. That's not unwise. That's for sure. You got to be careful with that stuff. And it's going to be something that the Seattle City Council is talking about here with this pay up legislation over the next several weeks. This one is a very delicate piece of legislation that's in play right now. So watching it closely, it looks like sometime middle of May, Councilmember Herbal would like it to come before the full council for a vote so they can pass it. It's going to be interesting to see which ally she has on that side when it comes to this legislation. Yeah. And I mean, I would just say in a broader sense, the people who was out there in the streets, mm -hmm. the people who showed up to work every day was yeah. delivering food and this and that. And it, man, it would be messed up. You know, I know a few people who did Instacart and they go deliver all these groceries and the tip be in there and then people go and change the tip on them later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And all this funny Bennett, man, them people, they deserve an uplift. You know, I'll be honest with you. I got no problem. You know, I used to drive Uber and Lyft, you know, pushing this converged vision, trying to trying to save a few bucks, trying to first earn a few bucks, yeah, to yeah. save a few bucks to get here. You know what I'm saying? I used to sell beer and peanuts over there mm -hmm. at the ballpark. Mm -hmm. Like, I know what it is, what time it is. And you know what I'm saying? And if 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 we could find a way to be able to secure these guys and, and you know, around their pay and everything, I think it's dope. I think it should just probably just figure out the best way to be able to work, um, you know, with, and, with the stakeholders. And try to figure out a, a real way to do it quickly, because I think one of the real big stats that jumped out at me was we've got 40,000 plus people working in the city of Seattle who are app-based workers. That's a lot of folks out there when you think about it, right? So they don't have the same type of protections that employees have, that if you're an employee, you really assume that you're going to get a minimum wage, all these different workplace protections, et cetera. They don't have that. So I think what we're talking about here, and Councilmember Lewis brought this up last week in talking about this issue with pay up, we're talking about the future of work. We're going to continue to see these different disruptions within the tech industry here. It's going to change the way our workplace happens. It's going to change the way that people are actually able to earn money. So if we're not able to keep an eye on that and control that in some way, it could turn into a situation where these workers are taken advantage of. I think that's the way the city's looking at this. Are there a lot of different issues on top of that? Of course, but that's kind of where the city's starting from on this one. Man, I'm glad that you keep an eye on this. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. You, know. you know, we 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 use up a good portion of our time, but I did want to, you know, uh, to, to see if you had any takeaways from this research from the uh, oh, yeah. chamber. Yeah, th this was really interesting. So this is a report from the Metropolitan Chamber uh, of the greater Seattle area. And they're talking about some of the results that they they have from a poll, which shows that more people are concerned about public safety right now than when they had this poll last in the fall. And so I guess my takeaway from that is I'm not really surprised uh, because we've seen so much of this coverage in the news in terms of what Mayor Harrell's trying to do with Operation New Day on Third Avenue, whatever else. This is in the media a lot. So people are paying attention to this a lot when they see these different images on TV of people smoking in the street or dealing 
uh, drugs in the street or selling goods in the street that they have stolen. I think there's a lot more awareness about this right now. So I'm not really surprised by these numbers. I am a little concerned about how they're going to be used because I think, you know, got to consider the source as always. The Metro Chamber has a number of different businesses that supported Mayor Harrell. I think they're trying to keep that pressure on so that this effort that the mayor started with at the beginning of the year continues to go because these businesses, uh, which were very uh, important to getting him elected, are, are getting answered. I think that's a piece of this. Yeah, that's a good angle. That's so glad. I'm glad that you're here. Yeah, you it's, know, it's part of it. MDOT. You know, the conversation Triana and I had yesterday is real interesting in this city of Seattle here. You know what I'm saying? That um, we, we've we been dealing with every issue that's in there mm. and yelling at the top of our lungs sure. for the longest and no one has cared. And now when people care because yeah. it's impacting them, yeah. they circumvent the fact and then also make it seem like, and I'm not talking about this poll per se, I'm just yeah. talking about uh, here in the media and different groups, they make it seem like they're the first people to yeah, ever yeah, yeah, say yeah. anything about right. it. Yeah. You know, I mean, and so this is what poor people are, are impacted by crime disproportionately. Who you think is, is, is impacted by crime more? Who mm -hmm. do you think is impacted by gun violence and murder more? Yeah. Who do you think is impacted by homelessness and the verge of, of being homeless? Mm -hmm. These are things here at Converge and all across our community. People have been yelling at the top of our lungs. No one has cared. No one cares until it now hits the affluent neighborhoods, the affluent businesses, you know, yeah. businesses in our yeah. neighborhood impacted all the time. Somebody yep. gets shot next to a restaurant. Yep. You don't think that impacts them? Sure. You know, yeah. so <clears throat> it's just, I mean, I'm glad that we're having this conversation. I'm mm -hmm. glad that people are doing, you know, Absolutely. overall research and I'm, you know, and I'm glad that, that with, with this right here, and I don't want to convolute the, the, the chamber's no. research with my overall sentiment no. of what's happening here in Seattle yeah. right now, that all of a sudden people are like, everybody has been quiet for yeah. years. No, no, no. And now it's no. time. I'm like, no. what? No. We've been on. Let me go run the tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that, that's what I'm saying. It, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody to see numbers like this. And you're right. This isn't just an issue for downtown. This is an issue all over the city of Seattle. Talk to somebody up in North Seattle about this. It's real. Talk to people in Southeast Seattle about this for sure. These are issues that affect every single neighborhood out there. I know that I'm going to a meeting at the end of this month in West Seattle, where I live, where they're talking about public safety outreach there, because it's a big issue there too. If, 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 if you don't know now, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different bubbles out there where people can stay in or whatever else and not really think about it. But these are issues that are happening in every different neighborhood. Again, I'm also glad that the chamber is elevating the issue, keeping it in people's viewpoints. But yeah. there's a lot of other people out there yeah. saying this for a long yeah, time. Yeah, no, and I think it's a good, good conversation with, with these numbers. And, you know, what I'm saying we're going to continue to dive deeper into research yep. around it. We got to cut you loose, Brian, but Ooh. you can tell everybody how they keep up with you. Cool. All right. Well, make sure you check out Seattle News, Views and Brews right here on Converge, 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Also, connect with me on Twitter, at Callanan Seattle. Would love to connect with you there, and you can support the show on Patreon. That's cool, too. Omari, thanks for having me, man. All right. Thank you, Brian. Cool. We'll take a quick break right now. When we come back, Trey Holiday returns to the set. You're watching the Morning Update Show. When COVID first hit, I was very afraid. It was so much things that I had to keep inside because I didn't know where to place my feelings. Most of my information for COVID is from my own research. I'm a doctor in educational leadership. And when the FDA approved Pfizer, it helped me realize that the vaccination is healthy. We don't want to be left behind because we're not taking the vaccine, but we want to get as much information as possible so that we are putting ourselves in better hands and not at great risk. 
All right, welcome back to the Morning Update Show. Trey Holiday back here on the set. Brian Callen, as usual, man, yeah. does his thing. You know, I really enjoy when Brian comes on. I mean, he really, uh, you know, provides insight that normally we don't have here, right? Like, you know, he's talking about some deep issues that are happening at the Seattle City Council level. And I'll be honest, it takes me back to our good old days of the wordy and nerdy Kevin Schofield. No money. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, scope money used to pop it all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's really great to hear uh, from Brian's perspective some of the major things that are going on. And I think it always is going to reflect our lived experience when we're able to give our, you know, our own opinions on what's going on or our perspective. I think it's important. It's always great conversation. Yeah, no, no, for sure. All right. So a few things before we get out of here. We don't have an image or graphic to go with it, but man, just confirmed with the Seattle Ballet. And so, man, some of the ballet dancers from Swan Lake, they'll be here next Tuesday. I know mm -hmm. that you're all excited about it. Yeah, once again, you know, Pacific Northwest Ballet is just really uh, becoming such a great partner with us here at Converge Media. And I'm definitely looking forward to these interviews. Also looking forward to seeing the show. I think I'll be taking my niece. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, yeah. No, man. It's a classic sure. show. No, for, for sure. For sure. Uh, a few notes here. So tonight, again, 7 o'clock, Seattle News, Views, and Brews. Check that out. And then tomorrow, oh, yeah, no, we got that in there. Sorry about that, someone. That was my fault. And then tomorrow, we've got Julia Jesse. Julia Jesse will be joining us, co-host of Clapback Culture. There she is. She'll be in <laughs> last Thursday. Like I said, it was lit. We had a good show. Yeah, you know they're going to uh, keep it lit on Clapback. So I'm looking forward to hearing from Jules all the things they're going to be talking about this week. All right. Getting ready to get out of here, Trey Holiday. Any last words? Oh, for me, always see yourself as a part of the solution. I think this message never gets old because solutions are always needed. Um, as we see, you know, progress is pushed forward when there's some champion there in all of these different sectors to move the messaging forward. So see yourself as a part of the solution. Be one of those champions. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Be mm -hmm. part of the solution. Oh, I, I told my mama... I would I would I would say this today. You know, I put up a clip uh, on my Facebook story, on my Instagram story from three years ago. Yesterday, I was at the University of Dodoma in Tanzania and I was I was talking to young uh, media students who were there. And this was I guess it was the day after um, Nipsey got buried after the funeral. And, you know, my message to them was like, man, finish the mission. Mm -hmm. Some of you guys might be thinking about dropping out of school. Finish the mission. You know what I'm saying? Push your legacy forward. But <clears throat> I translated that in Kiswahili. Maliza Kilikitu. Finish everything. So I told my, my mom, was like, that sounds so good in Swahili, boy. <laughs> Before you end the show, maybe you can say that for everybody. So for you, Ma, Maliza Kilikitu. Finish the mission. <laughs> On that note, we're going to get out of here. want to remind you, go forward in your purpose. Go forward in your humanity. And until tomorrow at 11 a.m., peace. peace. What do I see through a lens of fear? A thousand little steps to go. What do I fear after all these years? Lord knows I don't even know. I've been running on the edge of a sundial, sleeping in the shadow. I've been begging you to see me.
been hiding beyond the unreachable. Looking now left on a right hand turn, just trying to make a deal. The lazy shoes of love is a love that's earned. That's the kind of food that heals. I've been searching for the end of an arrow, waiting to be ready. The world is bigger than a moment. Be steady, that's how you can feel it's real. But I feel I got used to hiding the holes This whole world got new tricks And I'm in the thick of it This I swear I'm already sick of it At least I found the antidote produces culturally relevant content for black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.